Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that you speak it by your Spirit. Thank you that you work by your Spirit through your Word. Please do a bit of work in us. Uh, please do yeah, help us to hear and remember. Uh, Father, please do help us to uh, listen to and to trust what you speak to us, to trust you as you speak to us. In the Lord Jesus, amen. Our usual approach in this bit of uh, when we meet is to be working through a Bible book. Uh, we'll work through section by section by section. It's called expository preaching, if you like, but uh, whether you like it or not, it's expository preaching. Um, but uh, we work through section by section by section. I think it's best to do that as our regular diet, in part because it means that God's setting the agenda. Uh, means that we, you'll, we'll wind up looking at and hearing him speak about things that we might not have otherwise. It also means you get to look and check. Uh, you can look at the passage and see whether what I'm saying is actually coming out of uh, what you've got in front of you. Uh, that's what we usually do, and that's a bit of why we usually do it. Uh, working out what to do next, next year, I'm keen to hear your thoughts uh, on uh, what we might uh, yeah, work through in this context. Now, I'm not suggesting we do it, but it would actually be absolutely fine, uh, fine for you and fine for me, if we were to go through Mark and a few Psalms and Philippians and 2 Peter next year. It would be okay, uh, but you'd be remembering, and I think uh, we would, yeah, I'm not suggesting we do it, but that's not, that's not the plan, uh, but it's good for us, I think, to go back and to think again about what we've heard God speak uh, through the year. Uh, and to be doing that as we think through our plans for next year, uh, both as we plan personally and as we plan and think as a church together, uh, to think and to hear uh, these things that God speaks to us. Obviously, I'm being selective. Today, uh, I thought we'd think fairly broadly about what it means to follow Jesus. I thought we'd think fairly broad- broadly about what it means to follow Jesus. I picked little bits of Mark and Philippians and 2 Peter to revisit. Uh, the bit where Jesus talks about self-denial and taking up your cross to follow him. Uh, the bit where Paul speaks uh, about Christ uh, who calls us to have the same mind that Christ himself had. Uh, the other person attitude that took him to the cross. And the bit where Peter talks about why Jesus delays his return and the implications for the life of his people while we wait. So let's start with Mark, Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 is the first time uh, that Jesus speaks about his coming death and resurrection. Uh, While the disciples struggle to come to terms with the idea that the Christ, God's promised king, will suffer, Jesus tells them that they, his followers, will suffer. All of his followers will suffer. So chapter 8, verse 34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to stop here to to remind you that the suffering we're to expect is the suffering of denying self in order to serve others in Jesus' name. The suffering we're to expect is the suffering of denying ourselves in order to serve others in Jesus' name. Following Jesus means self-denial. It means uh, following him to the cross, uh, with with the cross that we'll die on, uh, weighing heavy on our backs. The other option, well, really is no option at all. 
It's the option of living for ourselves, of being disowned by him. Listen to what Jesus says. So, verse 34 again. If anyone would come after me, then deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Why? For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You hear what he's saying? He will give what we need when we need it at the end. He will stand with us at the judgment. He'll include you and he'll include me among his forgiven people. Following Jesus means following him with the cross we'll die on weighing on our backs. We follow him to that towards that day when we'll stand forgiven as he stands with us. We follow him in the way of service. Some people are focused on what Jesus says about suffering here and have found creative ways to suffer like Jesus. Uh, they whip themselves, even people getting nailed to crosses. But the suffering like Jesus that he is interested in is suffering for the sake of others. It's suffering in service to others. Mark shows us that when Jesus corrects his disciples' misunderstanding of greatness. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 35 says, If anyone would, would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 42 says, uh, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority, but I, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Christ's followers, as we follow him, our suffering is to echo his suffering. The pattern set by leaders can be to demand your disadvantage for the sake of their advantage. But the pattern set by Jesus is to disadvantage himself for your advantage. That's how we are to follow, by laying down our rights in order to be a blessing to others. The goal isn't inflicting pain on ourselves. The goal is serving and being a blessing to others, which may well require suffering. The goal is not inflicting pain on yourself, but serving serving others is the goal, which may involve accepting pain. I think part of the pain of following Jesus is that self insists on living for self. Following Jesus means self-denial. It means disowning self, saying no to self, refusing self, disregarding self, refusing to follow self. Because following Jesus means saying no to your hopes and your plans and your desires your purposes, dreams, values, priorities, intent, goals, interests, 
and dead to those to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus' hopes and Jesus' plans and Jesus' desires and his purposes, dreams, values, priorities, intent, goals, interests. And that means serving others. It means serving others in Jesus' name. It means serving others with, which is, with a love which is shaped by his love. It means a willingness to suffer in order to be a blessing which echoes his willingness to suffer in order to be a blessing. In Mark chapter 8, we heard Christ call on us. Christ called to be to an other person-centered love which echoes his love. The love of our Lord who loved us and gave himself for us. Love which doesn't see others as contributors to our advantage. Love which aims to contribute to the advantage of others even though it costs us. Mark, Philippians chapter 2 shows us the same uh, Jesus who Mark shows us. Uh, God the Son with all authority who humbled himself and gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't despise disadvantage. God the Son could have continued glorious and praised by the angels who he made. He could have continued above all with nothing and no one above him and everything and everyone below him. He could have continued on with no possibility of pain or death or shame. But God the Son was born to die. The one with nothing and no one above him stepped down. He became a servant. And already brought low by becoming human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Verse 8. Not just any death, the pain and shame-filled death on a cross. The judgment of God facing death on a cross. Imagine him weighing it up, uh, seeing the service, the pain, the death, the shame. If he'd acted in self-interest, he would have left things as they are. But he decided to do what's best for us, even though it meant service and pain and death and shame. He acted in other person-centered love. It's true about Jesus, and Jesus' people must share the same attitude. Verse 3, not selfish ambition or conceit, but humility that counts others more significant than ourselves. Not looking to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. As we work through Philippians, we, we saw the, that Paul talks about himself in order to help us understand what he's talking about here. Uh, back in chapter 1, uh, he, he speaks about how he knows his death could be soon, and he longs to go to be with Christ. Going to be with Jesus would be far better for him than living a little longer. But living a little longer will be better for the Philippians' progress and joy in the faith. So his desire and his prayer is that he'll live longer. 
that he'll get to serve them. Paul lived with a, with a sense of urgency about getting the gospel to unbelievers and continuing to bring it to those who believe. Paul suffered a loss, but he didn't aim to suffer. He was willing to suffer in order to proclaim and defend the truth and goodness of the gospel. He's willing because he lived for Christ's glory. He's willing because he wanted to see lost men, women, and children turn in trust to Jesus. Because he knew, he's willing to suffer because he knew how vulnerable believers are to false teaching and temptation. He didn't aim to suffer, but he was willing to suffer in order to proclaim and defend the truth and goodness of the gospel. As we read through 2 Peter, we saw the same self-denial. When he wrote 2 Peter, um, the Apostle Peter knew that he wouldn't be alive for long. It wasn't long until he would die. Uh, almost certainly he knew because he was in the, in the city of Rome and Nero's persecution against Christians had begun. So he speaks saying death is soon and he speaks about his determination to put his last efforts into proclaiming and defending the truth and goodness of the gospel. It's fairly fresh in our minds that uh, some people were mocking the gospel. Uh, it, it had been decades since Jesus' resurrection, and they were giving up on the idea that he would ever return. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter insists Jesus isn't late because he's lost track of time. It's not that he's decided not to keep his promise. Rather, it's a deliberate delay. If he's late, if he's slow to come, it's because he is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's why he hadn't come yet. That's why he hasn't come yet. Neither Jesus nor his Father delight to judge and punish. They delight to save and rescue and deliver. So in chapter 3, Peter's reminding God's rescued people that we live in this time when God is delaying Christ's return in order to save more. Peter reminds God's rescued people that this about this time because it is time to keep repenting. It's time to turn from living as if God is not God and you, you are your own best guide and to turn in trust to Jesus who did give his life as a ransom, who is raised to rule. It's time to pursue holiness and godliness. The holiness and godliness that Christ calls his people to. It's time to put effort into pursuing, uh, chapter 1, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. All those things which fit with trusting the master who bought us. Peter reminds God's rescued people that this time is time to keep repenting. But it's also time to keep proclaiming. It's time to keep repenting and it's time to keep proclaiming, both to each other and to everyone else. There are false gospels which, if followed, will see people deny the sovereign Lord who bought them. 
and denying him, they will bring destruction on themselves. Peter's been reminding saved people of the true gospel so that they'll stay saved with Jesus, so that they'll not drift from him. He's been reminding them of the true gospel because that's how Jesus keeps his people. This is this time is for us to prayerfully remind one another of the gospel. And that is a critical, I think the critical expression of love for one another. It's the critical expression of love for the people of God to love in line with Christ's purpose to save by speaking the gospel to one another. But Christians aren't the only people we know. And Jesus isn't delaying so that the, the saved can stay saved. He's delaying in order to save more men, women, and children. He saves people as they hear the gospel, and God works through his word to turn hearts so that they turn in trust to Jesus. So when Peter talks here about hastening the coming of the day of the God in verse 12, and counting the patience of the Lord of salvation in verse 15, he's talking about proclaiming the gospel by which God saves. He's talking about praying for our mission partners, uh, for the churches they're part of, uh, for the ministries they're part of, for praying for the people that they speak the gospel to, we hasten the day as we pray for our sister Rachel, uh, for Azalia, for her, her grandmother, for the... And he's talking about us living as missionaries here where we are, where God has placed us. Uh, speaking the gospel, uh, building the relationships uh, and, and speaking the snippets that might cause curiosity and explaining and defending the truth of the gospel with the prayer that God will save the people God has, that he has brought into our sphere of relationship. We speed and hasten the day as we partner with those beyond and as we, we proclaim the gospel here in this place. I pick, I pick these three passages to revisit today because I, I think they help us think again about what it means to follow Jesus and fundamentally about what it means to follow him. They give us different perspectives on, uh, self-den- what, on self-denial that Jesus calls us to. Mark showed us uh, that following Jesus means saying no to our hopes and pl- your hopes, your plans, your desires, purposes, dreams, values, priorities, intent, goals, interests, and dead to them to say yes to Jesus, that all of your desires sit under his. First loyalty, first priority to his hopes, plans, desires, purposes, dreams, values, priorities, intents, goals, interests. And that means serving others. Serving others with a love that echoes the love of our glorious Lord, who loved us and gave himself for us. Love which sees others not as people who can contribute to our advantage, but that sees others as people whose advantage we can contribute to, even if it costs us. Philippians showed us Christ's uh, Christ's attitude as our example. He suffered for our salvation. He suffered looking for our interests. We who follow him uh, mustn't look 
only to our own, our own interests. We must look also to the interests of others. Uh, Paul's own uh, gospel-hearted willingness to suffer in order to proclaim and defend the truth of the gospel helps us say some of what that looks like. Uh, 2 Peter showed us that the reason for the time we live in between Christ's resurrection and Christ's return is salvation. It's time to keep repenting, to pursue holiness and godliness, uh, which fit uh, with trusting the master who bought us. It's time to keep proclaiming and reminding one another of the gospel, lest any of us be led by lies. It's time to, to see those we live among are in desperate need of Christ's rescue and to speak his powerful message, praying that he will save. Now, those aren't new ideas. They're far from unique to Mark, Philippians, and 2 Peter. They'll crop up whatever we pick to read next year. Wherever we look in the Bible, we're pointed to Christ as the one Savior. He did what we could not do. He paid the debt we could not pay. He was judged as we deserve to be judged in order that we might be forgiven, accepted, loved, included in God's family. And trusting Jesus means trusting what he did on the cross. And trusting what he says about life while we wait. Trusting Jesus means trusting what he did on the cross and trusting what he says about life while we wait. See, we're not our own best guides. He is. Our our lives are not for the pursuit of whatever we choose, whatever we desire. Our lives are for him and his gospel. And these passages, at least the first two, particularly expose us to the cost involved with that. There are costs which come with progress. I think one of the things I've appreciated from reading through Peter with you is his insistence on making every effort. That effort is a cost. It's not something that squeezes in between the things that are already there in life, that are barely noticeable that anything has changed. Because the effort has to come from somewhere. It has to push something else out. Something else loses out when we're diligent and determined to spend time prayerfully hearing and reminding ourselves of God's word. Something else that's a squeeze out as we make time like this to be around each other and encouraging one another, speaking God's word for our own and one another's progress. And then living in godliness and holiness to please and honor Jesus. That brings a cost. The cost of pain to our old self. We feel the pain of saying no to sinful desires. Uh, Maybe also the pain of the attitude others have towards us when living or speaking Christ's values cuts across theirs. Or, Or the pain of compromising our own comfort and convenience as we see a way to be a blessing, but it costs us in time or resource. 
being church together so we can proclaim and remind one another of the gospel has its costs. Uh, time we could be doing, doing other things, money we could have spent in other ways, uh, relational tension we could have walked away from. In those and other ways, we say no to self and yes to Jesus as we pursue his purpose in one another's lives. Praying for and giving generously to the work of the gospel elsewhere has its costs. It's money and time that could have gone on other things as we pray and care and give. Living Christ's mission where God has placed us has its costs. When we stand with Jesus in conversations with people who see Christianity as the enemy and we see their attitude towards us shift, or or as our gospel plans uh, push in to our time, something has to go. Now, as we hear these words, as we hear God call us to believe in such self-denial and other person-centered love and in the time where he's placed us, and as we see the costs, we can find ourselves wondering, is it worth the cost? Maybe, maybe as you think about life, as you think about your life, is there, is there an area of life where you're acting as if the cost is too high? Is there a sin you'd rather hold on to than obey the master who bought you? Do you see how you could love a friend well, but the cost is too much? Are there difficult conversations that could be so helpful for brother or sister, but which you'd rather not have? Is your reputation too precious to risk identifying with Jesus among friends or colleagues or at school? Or Are there unbelievers you could invest in, but your time is too tight? Now, we can't do everything. <laughs> if we sort of look at everything and think, I must do everything that crosses my mind we'll wind up burnt out. God has made us human. He has made us with limitations. It's right that we acknowledge them. He is the creator. We are the created. It's also right that we expect to suffer, that we be willing to pay the cost, to experience the cost of following the Lord Jesus in other person-centered love, in self-denial, as we live in these days knowing what they are for. We can start to find ourselves wondering if the cost is worth it, but yes, it is. And at the end, when Jesus returns, we will see that it is absolutely worth it. When we see Jesus face-to-face, when we see the goodness uh, of the godliness and holiness that he has worked in us, 
Uh, When we say brothers and sisters stand with us and know that it is in part because Jesus worked through his gospel spoken by us. That he worked through us and our words to save them, to keep them, to bring them safely home. Then, then we will see the cost of self-denial and the suffering that came as a consequence of other person-centered love and we will know it was worth it. While we wait, we see that it is worth it by faith. While we wait, we see that it is worth it by trusting Jesus when he says that it is far better to follow him though it means suffering than to stand at the end without him. Let's pray. Our great God, um, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth that we meet about you and about ourselves in the Lord Jesus. Father, please do do grip us with the goodness of denying ourselves in order to live to please the Lord who bought us. Please do help us to see uh, the costs of denying ourselves in order to please, in order to be a blessing to others and to please the Lord Jesus as costs that are worth it. Father, please help us to love in ways which reflect Christ's love for us and Christ's priorities for us and for the world we live in. Father, please make us repentant and proclaiming people. In the Lord Jesus, amen.